0: Blood Talk Radio. Time to get in the game.
1: And good morning, and welcome back to American Tennis. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy on the road again, folks. What the heck else do coaches do except get on the road and go out there and recruit and scrap and try to work with kids and do the things you need to do? But uh, boy, 3,500, you don't want to hear my complaining about driving 3,500 miles the past two weeks, uh, but that's the way it goes. They said that's the way it goes, first your money, then your clothes. I don't know who said that, but anyhow, coaches' life is traveling, and that's what we do as coaches. So, But I'm back, this is Coach Chuck Creasy. We've got a great program for you today. And uh, this is American tennis, gosh, now in, let's see, 2000. Heck, we're starting our eighth year. Is that unbelievable or what? So we're going to talk today, though. Today is a great program, and I want to get our guest on the line here right away. Uh, I've got Coach Alex Slezak here on, the, in, on our program today, but we're going to talk about awakening the sleeping giants in American tennis. Uh, and right away, out of the blocks, let me tell you those five, and I'm going to bring our guest on. But high school tennis is obvious. High school tennis, we have 400,000 kids that play high school tennis. But only 26,000, and these are official statistics. These are official statistics. 26,000 play tournaments. Folks, that's only 7 out of 100. We have 93 out of 100 kids who play high school tennis, not be tennis players. Small-town tennis, USA. Do you know that 73% of all professional athletes in the United States come from towns under 50,000 people? However, however, we have seriously neglected small towns in America. Why? Because of facilities. Why? Because of people coaching. Why? Because There's just not a program and an emphasis. And one day we're going to talk about that again. Well, Small Town Tennis USA and a program that I've come up with. There's nothing out there for our 22- to 35-year-old players who just played college tennis. Playing golf, playing other sports, people don't just drop the sport. After college, people just drop our sport. We need things for people 22- to 35-years-old in more than just simple leagues. Our pickleball crowd, 60 and overs, my golly, we used to have, a lot of seniors playing tennis. They're going to this pickleball thing. What the heck is that? And then also the independent movers and shakers. We need you out there. So those are the five things. But I, I brought I'm bringing on our guest, Alex Lezak. And Alex, uh, you are very well known throughout the state of Pennsylvania. But uh, you're getting a, a reputation now for building and getting people energized. To the sport of tennis, young people. So welcome on the program here, American Tennis.
2: And coach, thanks
1: for having me. Uh, Eight years, I never missed an episode, and uh, pleasure to be on with you. Well, thank you, thank you for that. So you know how we sort of. Am I
2: coming through? Do I have good
1: reception? Oh, you're yeah, yeah, you're great, man. You're 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 great. (laughs) We we're gonna have a great program here. But what I'd like to do today is, um, if you could sort of spend the first few minutes just going through sort of. Uh, what you're doing, I mean, you you came in, you were a high school teacher, high school coach in your community there, and you've just created, uh, gosh, man, one man with enthusiasm is worth a thousand who who don't have it, they say, but you've really created a lot of energy. Just sort of talk about what you have done, and then we want to get into how you did it, what you did, how you did it. And then I want you to give some people as we go through this and um, how they might go about creating energy in their own communities because the independent movers and shakers like you are who really make all the difference. So talk talk about what you've done there in the last 10 years, Alex.
2: Oh, well, this is, uh, you know, Really what I have done is uh, I was a, I'm a school teacher and uh, I, in my summers, I always was a tennis coach. I worked there at a a club. I was in the private sector, worked in a club. And, um, you know, once, one day athletic director comes to me and says, you know what, I'd really (laughs) would like you to coach the girls tennis team. You you know, you have a great reputation. And I said, well, you know, I would like to do that. I think I'd like to give it a try. So I gave it a try and, um, you know, I just I loved it. I mean, I love tennis, and I I took over the team, and it was it was an experience. My first year, I think this is my eleventh year of doing it, and uh, it was an experience, and uh, something that uh, made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. Made a lot of did a lot of great things, and um, I was I always loved tennis, and I was a hungry coach, and I knew that you know if I was going to do this, I wanted to do it to the best of my ability. So I went out, and I, you know, I met I seeked out great mentors. I, you know, I came and I met you and, uh, you know, at, at, a, at a training center there and, it, you know, we became friends and I just met more and more coaches and I was hungry. And then uh, what happened was I, I, I was I was getting better and better and better at coaching and I decided that, you know, I I don't need to work at this club anymore. I can do this on my own. So I started to do some, some camps and work with some kids in the summer and things just grew from there and um, and now I ha- I've got, you know, I've got a Tons of kids coming in the summer to
1: play tennis. I think oh, I almost had two hundred. How many? How many? 200? Start us out. How many did you start with? How many did you start I with? Okay, of, give us the I initial of, thing I, there. I, what?
2: Yeah, my first year was not nothing. Nothing. Uh, you know, I had no expectations. I didn't have any. You know, I, I think I had like maybe forty-five or fifty kids maybe in my first year, which is is a lot. Um, you know, I'm at, I'm in Western Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh. So, you know, we have we, we definitely have larger school systems here, and there's definitely a lot of kids here. But, um, you know, I had 50 kids come, and and now I'm up to about 200. And, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, Um, did a lot of things that I, you know, redid them, went back and redid it again. And and things just grew slowly but surely. The momentum grew, um, you know, just a little bit every year, a little bit every year, a little bit every year. And now I've got kids that, you know, I, I start them off at the age of five years old. They come out in the summer. Some of them fall in love with tennis. Some of them fall in love with some other sports. And I think that's a normal progression. Uh, you know, I don't think e- tennis is in all sports. Really, I don't think you know soccer, lacrosse, whatever. I don't think they're all cut out for everybody. Uh, I know you love basketball. I don't like basketball at all. There's nothing. You know, it's just not it's just not something that I have passion about. But um, and now I have all these kids playing tennis, and we have a, a program where kids are coming through. They're you know by the time they get to high school, and they're on the tennis teams. I've been able to help them a along the way. I've been able to meet a lot of, of people and. Uh, get you know, just the program's just got a lot of momentum now. Things are going, things are moving and uh it's it's got it's a it's a nice it's a nice thing. And more importantly than that is I think what people see the best is, is it is a fantastic asset to the community because we have a, a place where kids can come and play tennis. They learn lessons that aren't just tennis. They learn life lessons through through um the things that we're doing on the tennis court and uh, I think people really appreciate that and I in you know, I've never done any advertising. I've never done anything special. It's everything's been just word of mouth. People have a great experience, and I look at it like it's a, you know, things are like if it's if you go to a great restaurant, what do you do? You go and tell your friends all about it. You want to try and go there? I believe that's the same way the tennis needs to grow in, in communities as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, we've got plenty of time here. Your time. You know, I know you've got you're on a clock a little bit here. I know you just you're taking a break. But give us just, okay, there are obvious things. People start out, and they say, I want to build a tennis program in our community. We had a lady on about, oh, two months ago, and she's trying to build a tennis program with youngsters in our community down here in South Carolina. But problem problem is, is they've got a lot of rules on the tennis courts, and it's always a problem with getting enough tennis courts, even at – some crummy local tennis courts, people don't help out so much. Uh, did you have problems initially like say tennis courts? Did, uh, you had some at the school, correct? Or did you go into the community?
2: Yeah, yeah, we have six tennis courts at the school. Um, it's, uh, you know, fortunately that I, you know, once people understood what, you know, the athletic director and all the other people, you know, they understood what I wanted to do. They, you know, completely on board with it. And, um, because again, it was a, it was a positive for the community. It wasn't something that was there. I understand the facility things. I'm in, again, I'm in Western Pennsylvania, so I actually do the tennis all year long. Um, even in the winter, we, you know, we have to struggle with indoor facilities and I understand the, the, the difficulty of, you know, trying to find facilities, but if you, I feel like if there's, if there's a will, there's a way. And, um, you know, I'm always able to find some courts. It might not be the the most ideal time in the world to, to be able to have some indoor court time, but you know, if, uh, I think if there's a will, there's a way, uh, definitely to make it happen.
1: Right. Right. Professional, let me, professional jealousy happens a lot in tennis. Um, recently I went to a place to hit tennis balls, uh, with my kids and, uh, it was just a park situation and we were on vacation and, um, I was just hitting some balls, and this guy comes running out, of course. And have you guys signed in? You guys haven't signed in? Da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, it's just like, well, afterwards, you know, I went in, and I paid paid him and tipped him or something, you know. But the bottom line on the thing was we have a lot of professional jealousy. You You have to run into that sometime. You're not the first person in your community that probably – that has, has had that barrier to overcome. Um, and also, you've got to make a living for your uh, first, you know, the, the thing that probably the elephant in the room there is, okay, so you've got to make money for your family, but you're making it maybe on somebody else's facility do you run into problems? You don't have to give me specifics, but do you run into problems like that, or do you just talk to the people? I'll talk um, about that so, uh,
2: in, in my situation, I actually give money back to the to the schools um, and our the, the tennis <laughs> oh, that I do actually.
1: So you work a win win situation. For,
2: yeah, and yeah, selfishly for me, we we end up we can do things that other tennis programs can't because we have a revenue stream so um you know so it's 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 you know it's a win-win for me i'm coaching the boys and girls tennis teams now and uh you know we go to you know we go different you know we we make the state championship we do different things we have we have some finances to be able to help you know help out in that in that regard so it's a win-win it's a win-win really for everybody in that regard um but yeah i mean there's other there's definitely you know there's other coaches, and I don't – there's a lot of tennis coaches in Western Pennsylvania. And we have a lot of great coaches. And I think what has happened over the years, at first I think there was maybe some, you know, there could have been some animosity or something. You know, maybe, you know am I trying to steal your kids from tennis? Or you know how that goes in the, in the tennis world. But um, I think once I've been doing it for so long, I mean, I don't – I look at it when a, when a kid, if, if they have a relationship that's good with another coach, I, I, I'm just – I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to do everything I can to support that relationship. If the kids get better and the, you know, because ultimately at the end of the day, every coach and every player has different. You know, certain players get along better with different coaches. They have a better relationship, and that's okay. It's a, it's. I don't take offense to that. If 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 maybe I'm not the best solution for somebody else, and if I am the best solution for somebody else, then it ends up you know be it's, it's a good relationship. But that's definitely taken time over the over the years, in order to. Uh, to foster those relationships with other coaches in the in the community, but now, you know, I feel like a lot of those relationships are strong and it's great. I mean, we we actually even had a like we have there's a, a a club right around the corner from, from our high school. Uh, my JV tennis team had a match one day, and I called the you know the local pro at the club. I said, hey, would it be possible if we could come over and you know have a have a varsity practice on your course? And he's like, you know what, yeah, I think it'd be great, you know. So um. You know those relationships have taken time to foster, but but they have been fostered, and it's, again, I think it's been a positive. Not always uh, the easiest thing to do, and uh, you know sometimes you have to swallow your pride. and You have to be, you know, realize that what you're doing has got to be for the betterment of tennis in general and for the kids. Really, not your etiquette.
1: Right, right. You know, you and a couple other people, I, I've just been astounded at what you've done in the community. Talk about. Just very quickly, you know, the USTA has a lot of starter programs, and they would like everybody to go out there and have their starter programs. Um, I, I think they're very aware, too, of the numbers of how many kid potential tennis players are out there and why we're losing them. Do you have any um, thought on why we might be losing tennis players Um other sports, number one, and then also why we're losing the old people to pickleball. I know that's sort of out of the box. You work <laughs> a lot with kids, but any, any thought on those?
2: Yeah, I got a few thoughts. Well, first, uh, I think one of the greatest one, one of the things that the USDA could do to help out people to get started is maybe just to have a grant or some kind of funding or something where people can spend it on what they or whatever they need. Because I think there's a lot of Okay, there, there are grants, right? Excuse me, there resources. are grants. Okay. Yeah, and they need to They are grants, to be able to go but they have the freedom they, to do what they need to do. Yeah, they're there there sure. you really go. Specific. Yeah, they're specific too. and what might work for me might not work for somebody else that, that has a great Whoa. idea. And I think that would be great. You know, and what works you for you doesn't, doesn't work for somebody else,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, you so. hit a big one here. Okay, now you know how I am. American tennis. I've talked about freedom, freedom. I'm trying to get that thing from uh, that little sound bit from Braveheart. It says it's freedom. From <laughs> you know, from Braveheart. But we need the freedom. But you said it perfectly. All of their grants. You know, there's a saying that the only free cheese comes in a mouse trap, and um, they do that, don't they? They give you give a mouse trap. In other words, they say, look, we want you run running there in Pennsylvania, the same program we run in Dallas, Texas, same program we run in, in Miami. That's correct, right? Yeah,
2: Yeah, I, I think. And, I, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of the grant, but that, my understanding is things that, you know, every time that I've looked at things, it's always been very specific in what you could do. And I, I just – people just need an autonomy to do what works in their community and what works for them. And if they have some of that, I think that that's – that's you know the best way to, to go about doing that, and um, I forgot what your question was. What was your original question? Oh, freedom of use of that? funding. Freedom talk.
1: of use. Yeah, go. Freedom of use of the funding is where we're going. You know what? Yeah, I mean, what you know they did, how they yeah. what they would do. Yeah. I
2: think that's a great solution. That you know that if they just had just freed up some money, just that you know if you have a great idea, you buy for it. You know if you need a thousand dollars or you need some equipment or you need whatever it is. Because I think some places might need facilities some places might need their course resources some places might need you know training some people might need and I think that if, if, if they made that easy and people who had some passion because I know that there's a lot of tennis theres I mean I know a lot of high school tennis coaches and I can tell you that most of them are very very passionate individuals they they really want to do what's best for their kids they want to do the thing but but they're maybe they don't have the, the the you know the funding at their school to go and you know, like I was fortunate, I was able, to, you know, I was I was very well supported. I was able to go out and, and basically have the freedom to say, hey, you know, if you want to meet with some other coaches, go meet with them and, uh, you know, learn and, and find out as much as you can to become a better coach. And not everybody has that same, you know, resources and the same funding to be able to do that. So I think if, they, if there was some funding to be able to do that, it would help people, you know, in their autonomy. And other people, you know, maybe they need courts, maybe they need equipment, whatever it is, and they would be able to, you know, that and do that. I think the reason, uh, back to your original question it came back to me now, I think people are, leave, kids I think leave the sport of tennis, I think part of it is because they just get they get bored. And when I say they get bored, they get bored because there's not a challenge that's out there for them. So uh, when I look at like uh, like lacrosse is, is really big in Western Pennsylvania, there's all these tournaments and these kids are getting pushed and there's always someplace next to go. Well, you have kids, you know, I have kids that are 10, 11, 12 years old. They want to go play a tournament. They've been practicing with, with regular tennis balls. They're able to hit regular tennis balls. They're able to serve and play a match. And then they're not allowed to play in the tournament because they're 10 years old and they're not allowed to age up to the 12 because there's, they have to play this green ball and the tournament doesn't have a green ball. And, there's, and parents get frustrated with things like that really easy, especially if you're not a tennis parent, like somebody that, you know, that's played tennis, people get frustrated. They're like, this doesn't make any sense. Why can my kid not... I just spent all this money on tennis. I spent all this time on tennis. Why can't they go play a tournament? They really want to go play a tournament. They don't want to win. They don't They don't care if they win or lose. They just want to go play. And there's so many barriers to them just making it simple to go and play. And then I also think kids get confused on, you know, that if there was just one way to play tennis, but they go to, you know, they play one, two or three or four tournaments and they end up with Two or three or four different formats and different scoring formats, and they play. They start the sets at two all. They play four game sets. They play no ad scoring. They play a tiebreaker for the third set. They, they don't. They, the kids get confused, and when when kids stop learning, that's when they get burned out. And I truly believe that. I see it in, in, in school too, and I just, I, I think what happens is kids don't. I just think they get burned out because it's very. Just, they can't figure out the pathway. They can't figure out how to challenge themselves. And they just need to do that And um, I really think that's probably The main thing that's, that's holding tennis Back from growing
1: Yeah you, you, you're talking over Over regulation Under stimulation You hit the nail on the head And USTA people you're listening I know you listen to my program some And if you're out there and you work For USTA or you're on one of those committees Please listen We don't hate the USTA It's the problem that we, none of us like top-down management and top-down control. By the time it's – when you have top-down management, by the time it's filtered all the way through all the sections, the cities, the states, it gets to you, it's diluted. But the rules are over, over the top. But the, the bottom line on the thing is you, we lose freedom. The very simple example is here in the state of South Carolina, we have a tournament. Our state qualifying event was held in the upstate at a small town, and it's probably been held there for 70 or 80 years by the same community, the same group of people. The town's only six or 7,000 people, and it's been a big, big, big event. Well, the USTA sweeps in, and they have their control factors now, and guess what? All those people, that whole community, everything—they've been uh, their, their tournaments been overregulated out of business, and where it's not meaningful now. Uh, Tim Wilkerson was on the program uh, five years ago, and he said kids play for two reasons, Alex. See if you agree with this. They play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. You know, the kids will. They want to accomplish something of merit and meaning. Then when, you know, I never had a skinny skin in the game with these daggone green balls, red balls, all that. I always used them for training and overload principles. They're good teaching tools. But once USDA said you have to use them, I go, whoa, wait, are you kidding me? Not only is it ludicrous, and I'd hate to say that, it's very, very annoying that you go different, you know, it's just – Tennis is tennis, but the bottom line is when they said you have to do it, I right away my American pride and my American independence and my American rebellion. said no way, Jose on this one. So, so you're saying freedom would be the biggest thing. I want to want to want to go here though a second. I know you've only got a little bit of time here, but uh, um, I've got you still right. Alex? Hello? Alex? Can you, hear me? can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, Alex? I can hear you. We're good. We're good. Okay, good. I cut you off somehow there. And anyhow, um, but what I'd like for you to do is talk about starting with the end. You know, it's one of the Stephen Covey principles. start. You've talked about win-win situations, but start with the end in mind, then work backwards. You never look at the problems. I've known no know of you and know you, but you just sort of take problems head on. Could you talk well, about yeah. that in your mind? What, what you, you try to, to create
2: is when you try and do something. You're always you. You can't look at it as as a problem as a bad thing. I mean, when you go and try and do something and you take action, you're going to have problems. It's just the way that it is. You know, and a problem isn't a bad thing. It's a, it's a, it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to, you know, make something better. It's an opportunity to teach somebody else something. It's an opportunity for you to learn something as well. You know, because not, you know, not every time do I do stuff that's right. Not every time there's other, you know, it's just the way that it is. So I think what people just need to do is instead of trying to have a perfect plan and trying, you know. Initially, when I started to do things, that you know, I want to. I'm, I'm a planner. I like to have everything planned. I like that everything organized. That's just the way that I am. But you know, people just need to take action and go out and start to do things in their community. Go to take little steps, and if you just take little steps every day, you know, in ten years from now, the next thing you know, you look back at all the little steps you took, and you walked, you know, ten miles, and you do things, you know, leaps and bounds, and and what you do. And I, I think that that's really what people need to do. We just need to find some you know, inspire passionate coaches to get out there and know that, you know, I'm no different than any one of you that are out there listening. You can do the exact same thing that I did. I don't have any magical, you know, recipe or have any magical, you know, other than I just was willing to go out and do it and and, and put in the work to do it. And I think that, you know, that's what other people need to hear because that's what we need. We need people out there, individuals out there just going to do things to grow tennis. And if we do that, then then tennis is going to grow.
1: Coach Alex's sleeping giants would be what? What are, where, if you're in charge of the USTA, they say you have a no fire contract, you get to work for two years, you're in charge of the whole United States Tennis Association, and you have unlimited funding, millions of dollars, unlimited funding, and you are allowed, but awaken the sleeping giants. Tell me what you would do.
2: Well, I think – I mean, high school tennis is definitely the sleeping There's definitely a sleeping giant. And I think when people think high school tennis, they think, um, you know, well, these are kids in 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Well, that's a little too old to go ahead and get them started. But the truth is, just like every other sport, you know, by the time the kids get to high school, they're playing, they're playing that sport for, you know, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years already. And um, if, if high school tennis was, you know, really competitive it was something that was really valued, people would be out there really trying to go after it and and make Talk a name about themselves. How
1: do we let me jump in there. How do you do that? Okay. How do you do how do you make it more relevant instead of an uh, after school activity?
2: So number one, you just have you have to make it competitive. You have to make it, you know, you, you have to put you have to put it on par with all the other sports that, that, that are out there. So like uh, football, for example, I mean it you would you would never Imagine a football team where the quarterback says, "Hey, you know, I can't show up for practice today because I got to do this." Well, you have to have that. You have to have the same kind of mentality that that the sports just as important as any other sport that's out there, and you have to make it competitive. And you have to make these the, the the high school tournaments and the the different ways about it. You have to make them so they're you know they're they're basically tournaments of heritage where kids really want to win them. And, you know, it really means something if they win them. Whether it doesn't change their ranking or not or whatever it is, it's an honor to win that tournament. It would be something like, you know, winning your state championship, you know, in, in singles or winning a team state championship is, like, incredibly, incredibly important and such an honor for your school. Um, I think that's the way to go about doing it. and I just don't know if that's necessarily the mentality that all other, you know, schools and places have. And uh, it's a, it's a it's unfortunate. It's a shame, you know.
1: Well, participation breeds, you've heard me say many times, participation breeds excellence, uh, does not breed excellence. Excellence breeds participation, and that's where I think we're missing the boat. Is there a transition period real quick for your kids where you go from, um, say, participation to where you're trying to push them to be better and win tournaments and things?
2: Well, I think that's individual for each kid. Um, you know, some kids are ten years old and they're really, really competitive, and that's what they want to do. Some kids are ten years old and they still want to have fun, and there's there's nothing wrong with either one of those. And as a coach, for me, I have to be a different coach for either one of those kids. You know, the kids that want to get pushed, I got to be able, to, I've got to be able to push them. And the kids that want to have fun, well, I, we start to have fun, and we can, you know, we start to bleed some competition in. And I think that's the really, you know, it's individual for every kid. But I think that's the the. The point where kids start to get bored when it is when they want to compete and then it's still participation. Well, they're not learning, they're not growing, they're not. doing Then it, it gets a little bit boring for them. They get burned out and they go play something else or they go do something else. Um, you know, but I don't know that there's a magic age for for that. But uh, really, it's just based on the kid when they want to when they want to do that. And you have to recognize that as a coach and be able to push them, you know, to that next level and have a place for them to go you know, a pathway, or, you know, I don't know, you don't like the word pathway, but you got to have a plan for them to, you know, to keep like moving forward. Highway, freeway,
1: I like freeway, yeah. highway, expressway, everybody being individuals. Any other real quick, I know your time's limited here, any other quick, other than the ones I've mentioned, Other, any other sleeping giants you can think of where we could awaken tennis and make tennis more competitive in the high school? Yes, absolutely. Where
2: else? I mean, I think I think tennis can be, you know, I, I don't, I think anywhere in in the country tennis can be made. You know, there's sleeping giants everywhere. People have to look for the, the undervalued things, the things that where, where you can, you know. I think that big cities have, you know, there's places in big cities where tennis can be made. I think there's places in, you know, rural rural areas where tennis can be made. It's just you really need that individual person that's got the enthusiasm, that's willing to go out and and create something, because that's really what has to happen. You got to create these small pockets of, of uh, you know, places where kids are playing, and that can be made anywhere, any place. Um, you know, you just kids want to be challenged, kids want to learn, kids want to have fun, and if you create that for them, then they'll come and play tennis. You know.
1: Well, well, well said. And, Alex, we need you in tennis. We need you, and I'm going to put out there, I'm going to put the – folks, I'm going to put the heat on Alex. I'm hoping that he will pick up a a spot on the Yellow Ball Network here in the coming future. I'm going to keep bugging him. We need your enthusiasm. We need you helping with, uh, you know, doing what you're doing. But that's how we're going to make tennis boom again is – get a lot of a lot of people like you and your energy out there. So thank you very, very much thank for being you. on today. If there's, anybody I, I really,
2: out there uh, if there's anybody out there, any high school coaches that are out there that are interested in, uh, you know, sharing their story with me or doing something, I am uh, thinking about creating a show just for, you know, for high school tennis, for coaches so they can you know, share their stories, share their, inspire other people and, you know, I can find a bunch of other, you know, create a network of like-minded people like myself, and we can share that with other people, you know, because really, you know, we're all in, the, in this game to, to make tennis better and grow tennis, and I love tennis. It's done a tremendous amount for my life, and I like to give it back to other people as well. And uh, if there's anybody out there, please reach out to me and uh, find, a, find a way to get in touch. And you might end up being on a radio show.
1: Would you uh, share your email or not? Could you share your
2: yeah, email? The easiest, yeah, the, easy, the easiest way to, to, to find anything, information, if you, fine. Just, if you just, yeah, it's just my, I have a website, it's actually called alexlezak.com, dot com. or you could just Google my name, and I'm sure my website will come up, but all my contact information is on there, it's really easy to get in touch,
1: and uh, you know, Al- I'd be happy Alex to Z-Zak. reach out. Thanks, man. Let me go to commercial. We're going to have you back again sometime. Thank you, Coach Alex Slezak. And, folks, we'll be right back here in a second. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and folks, for 20 years, my book, Coaching Tennis, has been out there on the market, and it is in more than 20 countries. I'm very, very excited that it is becoming one of the best-selling books, but also one of the books that multiple coaches and teachers go to for information about how to start their players and how to work through the ranks as your players are coming up. Also, it has a section, one of the only sections in the world written on momentum control, plus many, many practical stories that will help your coaching. Folks, go to chuckcreasy.net for my website, but also Total Tennis Training is the name of the book, and you can go to Amazon, and you can get it right now. Total Tennis Training is my book, and Coaching Tennis is the remake of the book that's been out there for a while, Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy. And this coach Chuck Creasy, and you know the the energy that some people have, and when it, it is amazing, and the apathy that some people have is quite amazing as well. Um, the naysayers are out there with tennis, and uh, it, it 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 a person like Coach Alex Slezak, there alexslezak.com, dot com, I think he said his website was. But just to go into an environment, create energy, have energy, create situations and opportunities for young people to play, that's, that's how we have to wake up tennis again. I think that when we have an organization like the USTA or any organization that sort of takes charge, um, the problem is that the regulations that they put on um the sport and the over regulating them we always i always say that we need stimulation you know we need we don't need systems we need incentives uh, but again it comes down to you and me the high school coaches and but we we need to wake in this sleeping giant again in high school tennis we have 400,000 kids playing the sport no we have 400,000 kids participating in an after school activity but and that's not a slam on the coaches they're doing a great job but I say that because there's only 26,000 kids that's six or seven out of a hundred that are playing um, tournaments during the summer but Alex made a good point that kids need incentives and the incentives is competition the incentives are rivalries the incentives are Tournaments of Heritage. Those are what we need. And, uh, you know, the USTA people, uh, golly, folks, you know, I've, I worked for them for about five years as a national coach, Junior Davis Cup coach, and all that stuff. And I've given as much as I possibly can to every youngster around me and every coaching opportunity I can. And we all, everyone who's in coaching, we let our family suffer a lot. Uh, by just giving so much to other people. Uh, at one time I was told I would use up my, all my energy on other people's children, and that's, that's pretty much the truth. But anybody who's a teacher or a coach can go in that direction. But the point is is the USTA needs to have a way to, to motivate, to stimulate, to incentivize work that's done, and and the coach we just had on, Coach Slezak, said that, you know, if you just don't mandate what the money is supposed to go to, I know you have to have oversight. I know you have to have uh, some types of regulation, but remember, rules and regulations never keep a dishonest person from breaking rules. Rules only stimulate, the more sophisticated the rules, they only stimulate the level of deviance that bad people will go to to break a rule. The problem is we don't want to put handcuffs on our people of energy, the people who have the enthusiasm. And again, high school tennis is a, a huge, huge sleeping giant that we've got to uh, we've got to go out and, and make sure that it, it is uh, nourished perpetuated to to go out, to, to have people initiate energy and work with young people small town tennis USA again small town tennis USA it it would work it would work and i've got this great idea that i'm going to go present it to, to some of the organizations and just say look will you let me run with the ball here help us with a grant but let me run with the ball this will work we need to use some of our college kids who are not going to go out and play pro tennis and get them into small towns in our communities. And uh, and we need to cut them loose. And we need that way we would groom great teachers, we would groom great coaches, but also we would we would initiate energy in tennis in some of our smaller communities. And uh, we've got to make the tournament situation so much easier. Gosh, I mean, can you bog it up any worse than what we're doing right now? The USTA, the point system, guys, dump that thing. Dump it. I know that the computers make it easier for you to keep score. I know the computers allow you to say, hey, Joe's better than Billy right now because he got this many more points. It's easier than sitting down and looking at the head-to-head results we used to do. But you got to dump the point system parents like the points because they can chase points kids don't play for points kids are not motivated by points we've got to do something for our 22 to 35 year old players who played college and who want to go out and they want to compete in tournaments and what happened to the old national amateur circuits that we used to have golf has national amateur circuits You know, a golfer could get good in one summer at age 32 and they can still go out and go through the ranks. I mean, my golly, we have to do a hokey pokey show and do so many different things for kids to work, people to work through the ranks. And, uh, you know, now listen, there's no excuse, number four, for what's going on with the pickleball. I played pickleball on my vacation for the first time in my life. Folks, I'm telling you, it's the easiest thing easiest court game my children and my wife and i played with some other people ridiculous how easy it was to pick up but more easy to put down because it uses big big ball it's a wiffle ball there's no way to fail at it you don't have to run there's nothing to learning it you go out there and play it i'm not making funny you old folks who love this game it's a good socializer but it's the bowling of the new millennium, I guess. It's the bowling of the 2020s. Um, it's like reminds me of bowling. Everybody can go out and have a have a nice time going bowling, but very few bowlers because actually to be really good at bowling, it really takes a lot, a lot of time. But pickleball, I don't see where this this game is was the most ridiculously easy game I've ever had have ever played we need to do something with our older folks and i think the key there is go back to wood rackets for the old people so that this the symmetry of the game between the ball striking and the movement is the same the problem with old people playing with these high tech rackets is no matter how you cut it ball striking overcomes movement and it screws up the symmetry They're trying to dance the waltz, but they got foxtrot music going on, if you know what I mean. And so the symmetry's messed up with the high-tech rackets. So we need to do – and, you know, listen, Ed Crass's one-on-one doubles is a very, very good game, very, very good game for old people to play. And, uh, hey, look, old is what? That means – 93. If you're Clint Eastwood, and he's still still not old. Some people get old. You know, they say they get old at 50, buried at 68. You know, but some people are old when they're young, really. So, but we need to do something about. Don't. You know, it's ridiculous that we're buying into the pickleball thing. Pickleball is a fad. It's going to go out the window. It's not going to last. I really, really believe that. Lastly, it's all of you the movers and the shakers out there of tennis need to be empowered by coach Alex Lezak. You need to go out and do your own deal, figure out your own deal, get your own group of kids out there to play and, you know, go to work on creating energy in your community. And it, it, uh, but the, the problem with tennis so much is that there is uh, for one of the first questions I ask him, was about the professional jealousy that people have when someone creates energy and gets people out on those tennis courts. A lot of times, other people are always judging because they don't have the energy to do it, or they think they know better. Tennis is really, really, really a hard sport. It takes years and years to be proficient at it, and years and years and years and years and years, and years to be professional at teaching this game, and then to coach this game, it's. It takes years and years and years and years and years and years and years. I don't know if there are any young coaches that really are good when they're when – they, nobody's good when they're young. I used to think I was good when I was young, but all I do is respect the sport more and more and more as we go through it. Folks, we need to wake in the sleeping giants. That's you. That's me. That's high school tennis, small-town tennis. We've got to – USTA, get – daggone it. Why don't you guys listen – anything you don't see what's happening right before you it's not other things that are killing our numbers it's ourselves we're committing tennis suicide in many ways by just over regulating under stimulating take the handcuffs off freedom united states of america freedom to do to create to go after things in our own way. We don't need systems. We need expressways of ideas, and everybody going after competitive situations. Point us to Hill. Don't tell us how to take every step. Show us where to go. Tell us, go get it. You might learn something. That's all. Every innovation has happened by taking the shackles off of people and letting the people taking the handcuffs off and letting people go after it on in their own way. And we're back every week with American Tennis, and I wanted to remind you that you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. Yes,